2: We're live. One, two, three, four.
3: What's up everybody? Welcome to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and one of the greatest rivalries in college football. We're talking about the Backyard Brawl. I'm Joel Bracken. Uh, On Twitter, you can find me at WVStatsGuy. He is Jordan Pinto. On Twitter, he's at GamedayShorts. Jordan, we are uh, game week of the Backyard Brawl. Nearly 4,000 days since you could say that. How does that make you feel?
2: Dude, you just bringing it up brought a smile to my face, man. I don't know how I'm supposed to work
4: (laughs) this week. This is going to be the
2: longest three-day work week of my entire life, I think, this week. But um, yeah, man, I can't wait. You know, I was uh, we were we were talking before we started about the uh, the house in Morgantown uh, that had the countdown up as soon as the uh, the series was announced that it was being renewed. I think it started at 2,000 plus. Um, it was actually my buddy's house. Um, it's hard to believe that. Um, I think his wife talked him out of taking talked him into taking it out of the window. But hard to believe <laughs> that we're at, we're at, we're at three days now or four days uh, until it's actually going to happen
3: yeah well we had some like week zero college football action which was like a taste but like in in the back of my head like watching any of those games was like you are so desperate for college football if you're watching like utah state uconn or something like that dude
2: even nebraska uh, northwestern it was just like what am i <laughs> what am i doing here but yeah uh, yeah, know so, i i feel like we're like the unofficial
3: kickoff game we are, we yeah. are you know the thursday night P- p5 p5 matchup I mean, obviously, we had the game in Dublin, Ireland, but um, I, I feel like this is like okay, college football on. This is the first full week. There's some some very like good games going on. Um, I live in Columbus, so game days in Pitt Thursday. I'll be driving back to Columbus, and then game days at OSU, Notre Dame this weekend as well. So um, lots of good games going on this weekend, and yeah, just I can't believe it's so uh, so close. It
2: just felt like a very long off season. Any chance you're uh, you're sneaking into that one?
3: I might I might stop by for some tailgates. Um, I've been yeah. to some OSU games before, but not, probably not going to this one. I I don't. I went to school for I went to grad school there, but I don't I don't really feel a strong connection yeah. uh, to the sports, so I can I can take it or leave it. Um, but yeah, so a lot to talk about on the show. We're going to be doing just really a pit preview. Um, just breaking down some of the matchups, some of the guys to look for, especially if you're going to be at the game live, first game of the season, you know, you might not know the stars or or what guys maybe to focus on. So we'll get into that. First, uh, we're going to start off like we always do, running the hill. Jordan, you're at the bottom of the hill today. Um, And I got a couple questions for you. Um, The first one is just totally up for your interpretation. Um, But I I just want to ask you, is this – the the biggest west virginia mountaineer football game since when it could be fans perspective national perspective just however you want to take it
2: man i think i think in terms of yeah both both fan and national both fan perspective and nationally um probably since the 2018 uh oklahoma game i think that seems to be the consensus and it's definitely the you know the first big one that pops into my head when i when i look back um but I think, you know, that, that was a big game. This is the brawl. It's, it's just different. It's, I think this is bigger uh, for a number of reasons that I'm sure we're, we're going to get into in this episode, but just the context around, you know, it's the first one in, in what, 11 years. And then, um, you know, kind of two programs that are uh, probably in slightly different places right now. And you know what that means to the, to, to each fan base. So um, yeah, I think it's biggest since Oklahoma, but, Again, I, I don't, I don't think that they're on the same level.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think the Oklahoma game was, that was a fun game. I mean, we lost, but that was definitely the most fun game I've ever been to that. Uh, my team lost at, um, blast. And then, you know, maybe another comparable VT, I want to say 2017 there in FedEx field, yeah. you know, a similar vibe, a season opener, uh, actually very similar vibe. Cause you have like new quarterbacks playing, like a lot of unknowns thrown in a, you know, big, uh, that was a neutral site, uh, you know, Heinz or whatever it's called now is, is basically going to be a neutral site. I anticipate this week. Um, I think it's going to be, I think the Mountaineer fans will be well represented. Um, You know, also we had VT last year, but I I do think this is a different level. Thursday night is perfect for this game. Like I I think this is uh, quite the stage. So Um, yeah, I I think especially for the fan base, like playing in the big 12, I feel like this is, is the most I've seen our fan base kind of up for a game in a long, long time
2: yeah man because it just has all the stuff that's that that is kind of missing from you know our big 12 games you you know you're starting to get there with maybe some of the teams where you just have enough shared history and oh man they got a bullshit calling us and you know whatever year but like that's just it it takes that kind of stuff really to to really care about the games and then obviously you know with Pitt, we've been what was the first game was like 127 years ago right so plenty Mm -hmm. of shared history there um you know uh, all kinds of emotions on on every side of the coin right you know there's joy there's heartbreak there's some of my best memories of of my life are are from pit games and also you know maybe the single worst so mm-hmm. um it's that kind of stuff that 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 really just makes this kind of you know games like this special um and yeah i think that's why everybody's just just so jazzed up ready to ready to roll for it
3: yeah, I think anyone who who thinks college football is like superior, one of the best sports, you follow it for things like this. Like it's personal; yep. it, it means a lot more um, than playing a team. I mean, I'm not throwing shade at Texas Tech, but you lose to a team from Lubbock, Texas, uh, it doesn't qu- quite sting the same when you lose to one like right up the road. You know, with lots of you know, you probably know friends who went to Pitt or people. You know, you yeah, see you're people not, wearing. You're baseball. not seeing
2: any Red Raider shirts on the street. You know, the week after that game, if you lose to them, right? So,
3: yeah. yeah.
2: So, easier, to, easier to let go of that stuff. Pit, yeah. Pit festers.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's just, it's, what, it's what's good about college football and what's good about sports. So um, just love this rivalry. So my uh, next question for you here. Um, so kind of what I'm getting at. So I was rewatching a little bit of Iowa State game from last year and Bryce Ford Wheaton makes an unbelievable catch in the end zone. And, you know, we'll see if it's it's one of those, like, highlights that is always memorable and is always on, you know, the pregame hype videos. But, you know, what really kind of stood out to me when I watched that and and saw how great of a catch it was is uh, when you do this in in rivalry games, in big games, if it's against Virginia Tech or Miami or Pitt or Texas, um, those kind of become legendary, iconic moments. Um, So you know, somebody makes a big play. Dante Stills makes a big third down stop this week. You know, that might become a a, a iconic moment that we remember. So just kind of wanted to reminisce. What do you think the uh, most recent, like truly iconic West Virginia moment was in football?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it was from that same year. No, no coincidence that all these are uh, obviously when we when we had a pretty good team. Right. But um, 2018, Texas, um, still one of my uh, probably a top three road game experience for me. Um, it was one Tough of the ones that I was, yeah, that I was down in Austin for man. And, uh, mm. you know, kind of that walk off win just with Greer hitting, uh, Gary Jennings and then, and then getting the two point conversion, you know, sparking the horns down, you have the Gus Johnson, Gus Johnson, uh, orgasm, you know, call, <laughs> <laughs> it just uh, you know, it all just kind of came together. And I just remember being there in the stadium cause I think it was a four, it was an afternoon kickoff. Um, mm. And just remember, like, the sun setting over the top of DKR, like, right as the fourth quarter was starting to just be like, holy shit, like, what an experience, you know, like, what mm-hmm. an experience this is. And then we actually went ahead and pulled out the win. So um, I think that was probably the last, like, actually iconic play. Um, You know, that, that Iowa State win is pr- probably the peak of the Neil Brown era, I would say. Uh, um, Virginia Tech, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um but man even the Virginia Tech Virginia Tech almost left a bad taste in my mouth because yeah. if we'd beaten them 27 to 7 like we were up with what 6 minutes to go in the fourth quarter um if we had just held on and absolutely buried them you know at that score then maybe you do think of that game or some of the plays in that game in the same way but the fact that we like you know almost stepped on a rake like three straight three straight times and gave the game away really kind of took some of the wind out of the sails of that of that win for me. Um yeah I agree that was one from like
3: you you went from like joy of like oh we're gonna win this game to like you know just it was just relief at the end it was just like yeah. okay we didn't blow it like, thank and then, God you know, yeah that's not the way you want to end leaving a rivalry game like you want to you know feel good about it so yeah um, okay awesome so those are my questions kind of leading into this weekend um, I think generally we're also gonna do just a quick like around the league during the run the hill time so there were no week zeros in the Big Twelve. Um, To be honest, nothing too appetizing other than the brawl this week. Um, So on Thursday night, at the same time as the brawl, Central Michigan is going to be traveling to Oklahoma State. Uh, Friday night, you got Kansas taking on Tennessee Tech. TCU travels to Colorado. That might be my favorite of the weekend slate in the Big 12. That's a 10 p.m. Eastern game. Um, And then on Saturday... Uh, a lot of cupcakes. Iowa State gets Southeast Missouri State. Oklahoma gets UTEP. Baylor gets Albany. Kansas State gets South Dakota, which is a sneaky good team. Texas Tech gets Murray State. And Texas takes on UL Monroe. Uh, And ESPN tells me tickets are as low as $4 for that game. So that tells you all you need to know. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, look, this is just on ESPN. But uh, West Virginia pit tickets as low as 94. You're not finding any $94 tickets for this pit game right now. Tickets, uh, got, got ramped up pretty quick for this. So hopefully you got them early. If you are planning on going. All right. So I think it is time to get in to a little preview of pit and the backyard brawl. Um, so, you know, maybe just setting the scene a little bit, uh, you know, the brawl hasn't been played in 11 years which is a long time for a rivalry that is this old and and this meaningful. And, you know, I guess kind of just this relevant in college football. So, you know, the brawl started in 1895 um, and, you know, separated by about an hour's drive now, a little less than that. They've played 104 times. Uh, Pitt won a lot of the games before uh, the forward pass was invented. And I think, I think it's right now if you're like 72, 73 years old or younger, West Virginia has a winning record in your lifetime. So um, it's kind of, but, but, you know, I think like any true rivalry, it's gone back and forth. Um, We all know that there have been devastating blows uh, by both teams. Uh, Being the higher ranked team means nothing in this rivalry, being the favorite, being at home. um, It is, it is all just out the window in a game like this. So, Um, also just reading a little bit, the backyard brawl was the first college football game ever broadcast on radio. Um, so, you know, it's one of the most played rivalries. I would, I would say it's gotta be one of like the most, uh, I don't know, kind of bad blood rivalries. Like I think there's a lot of rivalries like Oklahoma, Oklahoma state where it's like, yeah, they're rivals, but Oklahoma wins like 90% of the time um like very lopsided but i think in like the modern era this has been a, a really good rivalry both ways um so a very important game you have, you have anything you want to add to just sort of the relevance or background of the backyard brawl
2: yeah man i just you know last time we played um we did get the win i think that's worth noting um you know what's so uh 2011 brawl 121 to 20 is. Uh, probably a pretty poorly played game, um, I think, from what I remember, but uh, really hard to forget. Um, you know, we, so we came back in the second half. I think we were down 17-7 at halftime. Um, defense came alive in the second half, culminating with that sack party at the end of the game with um, Bruce Irvin, uh, stripping Tino sinceria the ball, kind of the walk-off sack. Um, and so that was kind of a really nice way to send them packing um, and, and really you know, just ship the brawl off for, for a decade. Um, so I had some fun reliving that over the last week or so when I was kind of, you know, watching some of the old pit games. Um, but yeah, no, I think you, I think you hit on most of it, man. I, you know, I, the cutoff I looked at was 1990. We're 15 and 15 and seven since 1990. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, definitely have flipped the script. I think, you know, since, uh, since probably the eighties or the nineties. Um, but, but like you said, uh, you can kind of, that's the beauty of this game. You can throw a lot of that stuff out. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, it's uh it's all out the window in a game like this. Um so if you're on Twitter, I do uh I did pretty much all off season on Fridays, hashtag pit Friday, um, and just would come up with some fun um fun little jokes. They were all, all fat I'm pretty sure they were all factual statements. Um just about Pit. But th- this is one I did recently, I think it's pretty funny and, and nice for some relevance. So these are some WV versus Pit last times. So they last met in twenty eleven. The last time they played at Pitt was 2010. The last time WVU was unranked and Pitt was ranked was 09. The last time they played on a Thursday, 06. Last time as a season opener, 96. Last time in September, 92. And last time that they were non-conference opponents was 90. And West Virginia won all of those games that I just mentioned. So um, all of those things will be true on Thursday. Um, so hopefully some good omens there because we we pretty much hit it in all of the last departments that we will be Seen again on Thursday. Um, so okay, so we talked about the brawl and how it's very relevant. How uh, how do you think uh, Neil Brown is feeling? The relevance of this game is is very big. I mean, is it hyperbole to say this is the biggest game of his West Virginia tenure? Um, Definitely
2: not. No, no, it, no. It, it it is the biggest game. Yeah, I think just in terms of, um, you know, where where. Uh, I think that probably Neil and you know I think a lot of the fan base probably expected to be a little bit ahead of where we are right now, at least in terms of on the field. You know, I think we we talked about it a little bit last week. Um, you know, off the field he's been an A plus. Like everything off the field, the off seasons have been good. The recruiting's good. He clearly gets the fan base. He says the right stuff. Um, but just in terms of the on field product, uh, I think. It's been a little bit underwhelming. Now, I think the, the spot where you give them the benefit of the doubt is kind of like what we we said last week, where it does feel like we do go into every season having fixed the two or three glaring weaknesses from the year before. Um, but obviously a couple new ones always pop up, and so it'll just be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out this year. But yeah, just in terms of you know, uh, beating Pitt um, or being competitive with Pitt would buy a lot of goodwill, I think with the fan base that maybe is, um, I I mean, I think safe to say there, you know, people are growing a little bit restless. I'm, I'm not one of them. Um, I still trust the climb, but Mm -hmm. there are definitely, you know, if you, if you're checking message boards, if you're checking social media, there, there are people who, um, are ready to, to start seeing some of this stuff off the field, pay, pay dividends on it. So,
3: yeah, exactly. Like you can, I think Scott Frost said something really interesting this weekend as he was trying to pull his foot out of his mouth after, <laughs> you know, whatever just happened there. But he was, he said something about, you know, they were asking him if something about stepping down, all this on that stuff. And he's like, you know, the reality of this business is you only keep your job if you win. Like there's no nice guy who has a losing season or six and six like that. You know, that's just the business. This is what it is. Um, you're paid to win games. So I think I want to preface is just Neil Brown and West Virginia as a whole. We West Virginia can lose this game and the season can still be just fine. Like you can still win seven games. You could maybe win eight games. You know, this isn't a make or break game, but you lose this game. And uh, I think the sort of the anxiety, sort of the, you know, restlessness, like, okay, well, it better turn around this season because this is the game the fans care about the most. Um, you know, this is this is the one <laughs> that everyone has circled. You know, the fans have circled. I think he gets that. Um, but, man, you really hope for his sake. Like, you can't lose to the to Pitt and VT. No, nah, you um, got yeah, to split. You have to split. You got to split. And like I said, you can lose this game and everything's okay. But the weeks following, if you lose this game, are going to be painful if the thing doesn't start turning in the right direction. So... Um, this is year four for Neil at Troy. He started four and eight, and then he went ten and three, eleven and two, ten and three. So far at WVU, five and seven. So whatever, first year, six and four on the COVID year. I'm pretty sure we canceled Oklahoma that year, so yeah, I, I kind of missed would,
2: them. <laughs> I'd yeah.
3: say that's six and five, um, and then six and seven last year. I mean, there's I think a plethora of asterisks you can throw and say cupboard was bare. COVID year threw it off. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, it's a, it's a business where you got to win games and uh, yeah, I mean, it's got to be, it's got to, you got to show progress this year or um, I don't think you can blame anyone for for having major questions. Nope. Completely agree. Not a must win, must compete. Yeah. I think that's, that's really well said is you got to compete. You can't go lay an egg in Pittsburgh um, because y- you can't, like, embarrass the the West Virginia brand or fan base or whatever um, in in this kind of game. The- it- it- you have to compete. It has to be a close game. Um, yep, or it could just be a win, and that'd be great. Like, uh, <laughs> you win this game, and you-, you bought a lot of social equity of just, like, okay, you won the one we care. Like, we're cool. It's fine. Don't lose to Kansas next week, but, like, we're cool for a little bit. Uh, you buy a lot of time and, and ease off that. Uh, yeah, I think a lot. Seat.
2: Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of those rumblings go away if you if you just win this game. So, we'll see what happens, man. It's this Thursday, seven o'clock kickoff, Acrisure yeah. Stadium. Um, early forecast looks absolutely glorious. I don't know if you checked the weather yet, but um, I looked. Said partly cloudy, high seventy five, low of about fifty three. Um, which just really just sounds like a great day to go have a day. You know what I'm saying? Like get out there early, get out there early, cruise on through the afternoon. I think it's about to be 70 degrees at kickoff, getting cooler throughout the evening. So, I mean, really could not ask for, uh, for a better setting in terms of, in terms of that, um, game day is going to be there. Like we said, yeah, am um, sure there's gonna be a lot of fan events going on. I will be participating in uh, my own fan events. Um, we got our tailgates spot. well, not locked down, but. We think we we got a beat on it, so, um, yeah. So, dude, ready to roll? It's happening. So, what do you want to do? You want to? I mean, we kind of did the coaching staff. Do you want to? Do want to do a quick Nard doozy? Uh, yeah, sure. Feel? Yeah. Yeah. So the Nard dog, Nard dog. I mean, Pitt. Hard to say they're not trending in the right direction. Um, coming off of an ACC championship, um, I think he's in his eighth season now. He's sixteen games over five hundred uh so fifty three and thirty seven overall um i wanted to note that fourteen of those sixteen wins are are in the conference so you know just your your uh weekly reminder that it's really nice to play in the a c c coastal um <laughs> but yeah no i mean it's it's hard to say you know he's he's kinda stamped his uh stamped his identity onto the program right so, you know it's a tough hard nosed program they play play really good defense um Last year, they kind of added the offense to the mix, and, and you saw what happened. You know, just quick quick 11-win uh, quick eleven win season there in an ACC championship. So um, I think the uh, defensive coordinator is going to be the same. Uh, obviously, some change on the offensive side. They got rid of Mark Whipple, uh, who's at Nebraska now, and brought in uh, Frank Signetti, Jr. from Boston College. Uh, I think this is – is this his third stint at Pitt? I know that it's at least the second. It's at least second, yeah. I'm not sure. Um but yeah, so he's coming in. He's going to be a little bit more um, pro style, old school than than Whipple was. Um, I think he's going to be much more balanced, uh, which probably fits the personnel that they have at least this year. Because I know w- we'll get into that. But you know, without without Kenny Pickett, without Jordan Addison, um, you know, a lot of explosiveness lost there in the passing game. But you do bring back all your running backs, all your offensive line. So maybe a little bit more pro style, running oriented. Play action pass kind of kind of offense fits what they need to do this year. So, um, anything that on the uh, on the coaching staff? Yeah, I mean,
3: I think Whipple leaving for Nebraska is definitely and and the hire of Signetti is is something worth mentioning because Signetti um, was at Boston College last year, who you did not know for their offense, um, no. so maybe a little suspect. Um, and also, I, I think just the biggest misconception last year about Pitt was that they were. They won because they had a spectacular offense. If you look at a lot of advanced metrics, um, you know, really what won them games was defense. They were a top twenty defense and uh, especially good in rush defense. But you look at the offense uh, for PFF. You know, Pickett was the number one quarterback, and you had Jordan Addison was the Bolitnikov winner. Both of those guys are gone. Um, I'm not saying this was a bad offense last year, but I, I do think there is a misconception that this team one from offense. Uh, I think they mostly won from defense and they played in the ACC coastal. Uh, They had the 106th ranked schedule um, against defenses last year. So pretty weak schedule, but um, yeah, I I think for the coaches that that's a pretty much all I want to sum up there. Um, So I guess kind of just get into some personnel. So um, you want to,
2: you want to start with Pitt with the ball. Yeah, let's do – yeah, so when Pitt has the ball, let's get into their offense a little bit.
3: Okay, cool. So I think kind of the style here, um, kind of want to just highlight three players from each side of the ball, Um, just kind of guys to look out for, especially like this early season game. Um, You know, you might not know all the names, might not know all the faces, especially if you're at the game. I feel like it's sometimes harder to track the players. Um, So I think the number one guy, at least like intrigue on the offense, has got to be Slovis. Um, this is the quarterback transfer from USC. He wears the number nine. And uh yeah, so I mean, obviously, like a big USC connection here in the backyard brawl. Um, JT Daniels, Slovis, um, and then Graham Harrell is the new OC at WBU. So um a big USC connection. Um, you know, the big thing is you're replacing the arguably the number one quarterback in college football last year, and how much is Slovis going to sort of fill those shoes? Is he 80 percent of what Pickett was last year 70 percent you know what are you kind of braining back um because i i think it's probably uh probably a reach to say that you're not downgrading um at the quarterback (laughs) position you know one big thing i think we both mentioned in our deep dive looking at slovis was just not great under pressure um just really kind of Numbers dropped drastically, like more than usual, um, under pressure. You know, yep. Pitt is lucky to be having pretty much the full offensive line coming back, and it was a solid offensive line. Um, so I think that is maybe his biggest downfall. Is if if they can keep the pocket clean, um, is going to be really important for him.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that you, you know what you're talking. Slovis is most decidedly not. He's not Kenny Pickett, right? Like Pickett. um you know, Pico's a really good athlete. I don't think he gets enough credit uh, mm-hmm. for for that. And I think that – so he got – I'm a Steelers fan, and so, you know, I've kind of um, been been paying – no, that's okay. I mean, Pico's going to take <laughs> a Super Bowl this year. So. But, uh, no, you know, I'm a little bit more invested. Um, and I think I've come to, you know, definitely come to appreciate what he brings and, and certainly through doing a little bit more research of just how good he was last year um, – You know, a a lot of – like you said, Pitt's offense, not overly efficient. um, But what they were really good at was Kenny Pickett messing around and making plays and finding Jordan Addison downfield when the play broke down. Um, You know, so you look at – so there's here have some some quick numbers. Um, Yeah, Pitt's offensive line ranked 23rd out of the 64 P5 teams in pass block efficiency last year. But they ranked 58th in pressures. Um, and Pickett actually ranked eighth nationally in scrambling last year with 400 yards on 50 scrambles. Um, and if you look at, you know, time to throw time to throw while scrambling yards and touchdowns produced before and after holding the ball for two and a half seconds, you know, um, a lot of those numbers kind of point to Kenny Pickett being more and more dangerous the longer he held onto the ball. So I can't, I, you know. I think that he 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 made them look really good last year. I guess is basically mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And Slovis is not a guy who does that. I think Slovis scrambled 8 times for 54 yards last year. You know, so um the those same time to throw numbers all point to him being better when the ball's coming out quickly, coming out in rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, I think it's it's just a it's comp- it's it's both a step backwards and it's um it's a completely different player. And so, you know, I'm curious to see what their offense looks like. Uh, without, you know, without that Pickett Addison, you know, Jordan's down there somewhere. I'm going to find, you know, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. without that element to their offense, right? Um, because if you look, you know, Pitt from 2018 to 2020 was not not that great. I think they averaged, you know, 26, 27, 28 points a game. Um, so you know, pretty pretty middle of the road offense until Kenny Pickett um, blew up last year, basically. So I think you know that that would be. My concern with Slovis is is are you taking a step backwards towards that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue. Um the second player
3: kind of want to highlight being Jared Wayne, um, who, you know, all all things kind of point towards him being the number one receiver this year for Pitt. Um, and kind of the same story. Like, okay, how much can you replace Jordan Addison? This guy won the Bolitnikoff, the number one receiver in the country last year. Yep. Um, if you look at the numbers, it's absurd. Jordan Addison was targeted 144 times last year. Yep. It really was like I'm gonna chuck it down here because because Addison's down there somewhere. Um, Jared Wayne had the second most targets on Pitt last year with 64, um, so he had you know less than half as many targets. And yeah, big shoes to fill. Um, you know, really got to step up in Jared Wayne who wears number five. Like I said, it's just like what what percentage of Addison can you be? And you know. Probably going to be getting Charles Woods locked onto you first game of the season. That's not really a fun matchup um, for any receiver this year. At least we hope it isn't. Um, <laughs> so you know, I think a big question is, you know, can Wayne kind of transform and be that guy? Um, you know, or is he is he the kind of guy you see this a lot too? When you have dominant receivers that almost require a double, is everything opens up for these other guys? Can this guy you know take on the top corner? Can he, you know, require a double? Can he be some portion of what Addison brought last year? Because, I mean, we talked about it, but the Pickett-to-Addison connection was absurd last year, and it was it was a lot of what Pitt did on offense.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pickett or, uh, sorry, Addison had 30, 33 explosive receptions, which led the country last year. I think that was like 45% of Pitt's, of Pitt's total. Um, Wayne had 12, which, you know, not not bad, I think it was top top ten or top fifteen in the a c c um but obviously uh a far cry from thirty three um the guy who so i kind of went a similar direction with my second guy i i picked kanate mumfield um the transfer from Akron who's coming in wide receiver um just in you know the point of like to to make a similar point like these guys they're they're good, they're fine like um you know mumfield actually graded out really well he has 77 pff grade last year um 63 catches 750 yards eight touchdowns but like only eight explosive plays um you know so i i don't think any of these guys are going to step up and be what addison was last year um you know just you, you look only 13% of mumfield's targets were 20 plus yards addison was up around 30 um mumfield 3.5 yards after catch, which actually ranks 61st out of 69 qualifying FBS receivers. Um, Addison was 6.6. So, you know, he's not not a super explosive guy. Um, I think Wayne maybe is a little bit more so, but I don't think any of them are going to, um, you know, fully pick up that slack. And so I think, like, my... My theory on Pitt this year is, I mean, they're they're going to take a step backwards, right? You can't not. You lose a Heisman finalist, you lose the Blitnikoff Award winner. You're replacing them with guys who, in both cases, are, you know, worse, worse players, not bad players, just not as good. Um, in Slovis's case, he's a completely different player than Kenny Pickett was. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really curious to see how that impacts our offense. I think they're going to have to run more this year. But I also, you know, like a lesson that we've learned over the last couple of years, it's a whole lot easier to run the ball when everybody that you're playing is worried about you throwing the ball. And so now maybe teams aren't quite as worried about them throwing the ball. And I'm curious to see how that impacts the running game. I I really do think um, I do. I think their offense is, you know, a a full like an order of magnitude worse than it was last year, both in terms of talent and, um, you know, what what they can possibly be. I uh, you know, like how they're going to look.
3: Yeah. I, I think in the passing game, you have to say that. I mean, I think you take a step back in the receiver and the quarterback position, um, you know, two pits credit. They do have a lot of continuity on the offensive line. They return pretty much all seven dudes who took snaps last year and they return all three backs who by committee ran the ball last year. So I do think there will be like kind of a shift in terms of to be successful. You're probably going to want to run more. Um, but You know, if there's anything about college football right now, you definitely would rather be good at the pass than good at the run. Um, So kind of leading into the third guy I wanted to highlight for Pitt. Um, I don't want to say this is a reach, but I think this is kind of maybe somebody not everyone's highlighting um, is Gavin Bartholomew, number 86. He's a tight end. Yep. And so really when you look at this Pitt receiving core, um, you lose four of your top five guys in terms of targets. You only have Jared Wayne coming back who had more than 30 targets last year. So just a lot of fresh faces. Um, One thing I did really notice about Pitt last year, though, they did use the tight end a good bit. Lucas Kroll had 59 targets, um, and he is gone now. Gavin Bartholomew had 29 targets last year, and a number you really have to like, very efficient. He caught 28 passes. He was throwing the ball 29 times. That's very, very efficient. Um, So... Gavin Bartholomew wears 86. I think maybe a sneaky, bigger role this year. Um, You know, with the offensive coordinator change, not sure if he's going to feature, you know, a tight end in the passing game as much as we saw last year. But um, I I think this guy is poised to maybe to sneak in there. And I think everybody complains about their defense and guarding tight ends. But, you know, this could be one of those guys who goes out and gets you six, eight catches in a game. Um, And you might know his name by the end of the night. Hopefully you don't.
2: Kill, yep. me. Yeah. <laughs> Kill me, yeah. Kill me, yeah. I saw you. I saw before that you threw his name on there, and I was like, "Damn, that's a that's a great call." Because yeah, he's he's a dude who could be an X factor. You know, who knows how the offense is going to look, but he was effective last year. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, somebody that they're going to need to be good this year if they're going to um, if they're going to be good. Um, so I kind of I cheated a little bit with my last dude to feature. I did I did the committee of running backs. Mm -hmm. Um, which you said, we, we've already talked about them. Good, good group of running backs. Um, Abanaconda Hammond Davis, uh, ran for like 1,750 yards and 16 touchdowns last year. Um, Abanaconda and and Davis are receiving threats. They combined for 47 catches, 320 yards. So yeah, I guess that's all I wanted to say is that those guys are good. If the line gives them room, um, you know, they're going to get the yards. I think, um, is there any, any other players you wanted to to highlight, or do you want to jump into like what what matchup what matchup yeah, you're watching?
3: I think those are the three. I mean, I think, like I said, the line and the running backs, it's like you get them all back, and they're all kind of spread across. It's not like one feature yeah. person there. So, yeah, I guess going to the matchup. So this is, like I said, we're still talking and Pitt Has the Ball. The matchup that I am really interested in this Thursday is the Pitt receiving core versus the West Virginia defensive backs. Um, talked about Jared Wayne being the only guy who started more than 30 times returning. Um, you know, you do have some transfers, but a lot of fresh faces on the pit um, receiving room. And then, you know, looking across at ourselves, West Virginia, um, hopefully Charles Woods can just take a receiver out of a game most weeks. Uh, but other than that, I guess I don't want to say inexperienced, but fresh faces. You know, we have transfers. We have some guys from last year who didn't get a ton of playing time. But, you know, whatever combination is going to fill in there. I'm interested to see sort of how that goes. I I don't think I, you know, if this team had Jordan Addison, I think it's a different story. I think that, you know, you would definitely favor Pitt there. But I think that could be a really interesting matchup early in the game to see. Is Pitt going to be able to throw the ball um, with all these new pieces and with all of West Virginia's new pieces? That I think is the biggest unknown matchup that I'm really excited to see.
2: Yeah, that that's definitely a good one. I think mine will hopefully play a role into those guys uh being more important. But I think I think the you know, the matchup that I'm watching uh offensively is uh is the pit running backs against Lee Kogba and, and Lance Dixon. Um not only because of how good I think that those two guys are, um, but you know, like we've said, Pitts Pitt's gonna run the ball more this year than they did last year. Um I expect our defensive line to, to hold their own. And and what I mean by that is soak up all the blockers, make sure that those linebackers are free to scrape, free to run through, run through gaps and and make tackles. Um, and I just, you know, I, I'm excited to watch him play and I want to see, you know, want to see, I think these running backs are good. If these guys are getting after them, you know, getting them down on the ground for little to no gains, uh, getting those guys into obvious passing situations. I think that, uh, Will be pretty happy by the end of the night. So that's that's what I'm going to be, uh, what I'm going to be watching.
3: I think that's a good one. I mean, losing Josh Chandler Samito, the leading tackler and linebacker last year, but everything we've heard about Lekoba is very exciting. Uh, you see the pictures he throws up on Twitter. I'm glad I don't have Dick to block I. him. <laughs> he's a
2: fucking terminator, man. Like holy shit, he's jacked. Yeah, he looks um, the part. That's what I know, I'll say. I, he looks like that dude. Hopefully, yeah. he is that dude. Yeah, I can't wait for
3: the first uh first time he slips a block and ends up in the backfield. And just um, hopefully in the first <laughs> quarter. Cause yeah, he I, I think the anticipation outside of like maybe a quarterback, I can't remember a transfer getting so much buzz. Um I don't even think like you know, maybe he's gonna be similar to like a Tony Fields. I don't feel like Tony Fields got that much but like preseason. Um I don't know. No, definitely I, not. I feel like Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to see this guy play. So Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good matchup to pick. Um, okay, cool. So do you want to flip the field and, uh,
2: give West Virginia the ball talk a little bit like that? For sure. For sure. I think we, um, so I, I cheated and I looked at yours. I think we picked two of the, two of the three, the same. Um, so let's just, we'll start with Klaja Kansi, um, because I do think he's probably the best player, uh, that they have, uh, not just defensively, but on the team. Um. So interior interior defensive lineman is going to play probably the three technique. Um. Think he generally lines up in the B gap between the between the guard and the tackle. Um. But think of him like a I, what I've read about him and uh, what I've seen of him. You know, think of like a Darius Stills type, like a guy who's a little bit undersized, but is really explosive, really good with his movement, um, and really good at causing you know causing havoc. Um. So he's first team all all AC in the all ACC in the preseason. Um, really good against the run, uh, excellent as a pass rusher, as an interior pass rusher. He had 38 pressures, nine sacks last year from, uh, from an interior position, which is, uh, fantastic. And, um, you know, I'm, um, uh, you know, I want to give our guys the benefit of the doubt, but he's a guy who definitely, you know, raises, raises your spidey senses a little bit, um, in terms of, you know, he's a guy who could, who could really ruin the game for us if we're not able to handle him. So, Mm -hmm. um. What do you, anything to add for Kansi? Yeah, I mean, Kansi's a monster. I think
3: Pitt last year, like I said, was top 10 in effective rush in beta rank. And I think he's a big part of that. Clogs up the line. He's, you know, physical. Um, 38 pressures, nine sacks from an interior position. is pretty stupid. I mean, Pitt had guys coming from all angles last year. Um, And one of the things the defense really thrived on was negative drives. So negative plays. Um, so definitely a big part of that. And I think a good segue, I, I imagine your other guy is uh, the edge rusher, Baldonado. That's him. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So Kansy wearing number eight, just kind of a weird number for an interior tackle. That's um, what I saw on the depth chart, but yep. um, yeah. Baldonado wears 87 and he's your edge rusher for Pitt. 48 pressures last year, 11 sacks. Uh, he's six, five, two 60. And uh, he's from Rome, Italy, not known for its football recruits. Um, But yeah,
2: football. anyways, yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. Maybe Euro Cup, but not not uh, a college football. Um, But yeah, I think just kind of highlighting these two almost as a pair. Um, And unfortunately, that's not all that Pitt has on the D line. I mean, we're not even talking about John Morgan, um, but we're not going to. We're just going to kind of talk about these two guys. I mean, like I said, great in the run. Great in negative drives, negative plays, um, and I think a lot of it just starts up front with these guys. So, um,
2: nope.
3: yeah, hope our uh, hope we figure out who's playing right tackle or whatever we're sorting out on the offensive line because they're.
2: I mean, it's going to be a big
3: test to start the season,
2: for sure, for sure. I think the the thing I like about Pitt's defensive line um, is you know I kind of mentioned in passing that if our guys are doing their job, they're they're really just you know uh, occupying blockers and, and keeping our linebackers free to run to the ball. Pitt lets their defensive linemen uh, go make plays. You know, you look across the board here; these are all super productive dudes. You know, it's it's you know over twenty pressures across the board. Everybody over five sacks. You know, um, they're all you know not, six, five, 260. It feels weird to call it small, but they're, these they're not they're not big guys, right? I, you know, I mentioned that Cansey six foot two eighty, a little bit undersized. Uh, David Green, who lines up next to him, listed at six one two eighty. You know, Baldonado is, uh, is 6'5", 260, so, you know, tall, but not overly big. You know, you'll see some four, some even front defensive ends who are who are 280, 290 pounds. Um, and then same thing with Desmond Alexander on the other edge, 6'4", 275. So, you know, not an overly big front, but super, super active, super disruptive. So, um, yeah, I mean – I don't know if they're the best line that they'll that we'll play this year. They're they're definitely one of the three best um, with mm-hmm. with Baylor and Oklahoma State. So, you know, peel the shit, rip the bandaid off. Let's let's see what our guys can do. Um, yeah, it's so. definitely gonna
3: be tr- trial by fire this year. I mean, I'm yep. glad that we have a, a, a healthy amount of experience at offensive line because um, you're gonna want to play against these guys. Um, so, yeah, so those are two of the guys on the D line. The third guy I kind of wanted to highlight for Pitt's defense is Brandon Hill um it's number nine safety over the top he played almost 800 snaps last year um I believe he's a redshirt junior it's a lot of experience coming back and I I think the sort of dynamic here is you know I I don't think it's a secret West Virginia might not have a ton of time to throw we're not going to be sitting back in the pocket and Pitt is probably going to be able to drop players back um in extra coverage and still and still get some kind of pressure so um Last year, Brandon Hill, like I said, he had the second most snaps on the defense, and uh, graded out pretty solid, really across the board. Decent tackler, great in coverage. He had two picks, um, so six pass breakups. Like I, I think Brandon Hill could be a solid guy. They do lose, I think, both of their starting corners, um, so he might be the most experienced guy you have in the back of the secondary.
2: Yeah, no, he's he's definitely he's definitely a good one. Um, yeah, I think they lost lost guys who. Um, Lost a guy who started last year. I think they bring back a couple uh corners who played a good bit last year, if not if even if they didn't start. Definitely guys who were in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh but yeah, no, so he's I mean, it's good grades. They got a lot of good players on defense, man. Um so the, the 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 third guy that I wanted to highlight was um make sure I get this pronunciation right, Servassier. Servassier dennis uh mm-hmm. so the the middle linebacker um very productive player a uh, little shaky i think he he allowed completions on 79 percent of the 24 times that he was targeted so you know maybe not the best best guy in pass coverage but when he's coming downhill um very effective as a as a blitzer and as a run stuffer um i think he had 87 tackles 10 for a loss and actually 23 pressures which for off-ball linebacker that's It's a pretty good number, four uh, four sacks on top of that as well. So, um, you know, he's the dude in the in the middle of the defense out there for them. I think he's going to have they. They, uh, I think they'll probably they they run like either a four two five or, um, you know, maybe they'll run a third linebacker. Anyways, the 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 new the other linebackers out there are going to be new starters. So uh, I'm sure they're going to look for him uh, for for some uh, for some stability in the second level of defense there. Um, he's a good player. I'm curious to see what happens when he gets isolated on, you know, CJ Donaldson mid second quarter, um, you know, little angle route motion out of the backfield, hit him over the middle, maybe to the house. I don't know. But, um, but no, I think he's a, he's a, he's a really good player. He's a big part. You talked about how good they were against the run last year. I think he played a, played a really big role in that. So definitely got to keep an eye on.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's no joke. This pit defense is pretty good. Um, I think yeah. I think they're going to be a lot to to handle. Um, and yeah, I, I, so the matchup I have when WVU has the ball is the O line versus the D line. Um, you know, can you give JT Daniels enough time to get the ball out? Um, can we establish any kind of running game? Um, you know, with some new feature backs and new new parts there. You know, I, I think the O line D line matchup is going to be it can dictate a lot. I mean, the O-line doesn't have to be perfect, but, you know, this is the absolute strength of this pit team. All sides of the ball is this defensive line, Um, but they're going to have to hold their own. And yeah, I mean, it's trial by fire. Hopefully, you know, one thing I do in the back of my head, worry a little bit about is, you know, I think we, WVU feels really good about four offensive linemen. I think Neil Brown said we're going to play seven and, you know, as this game kind of like wears on third, fourth quarter, do we have the depth, um, to, to really handle this defensive line? So that's kind of the matchup I'm I'm going to be watching.
2: Yeah, man. I think, I think it's the single most important matchup in the game. Um, even more, you know, more so than anything that we do when we're on defense against them. Um, just cause you know, like you said, there, the, the, there's compounding, uh, compounding benefits or possibly, you know, um, Whatever the opposite of that is, I'm struggling to come up with the opposite of benefits. Um, Very articulate on this on this Sunday evening. But um, (laughs) but yeah, you look so Daniel's doesn't Daniel's performance doesn't really slump as much as uh, Keaton Slovis's does against pressure, but definitely takes a pretty significant hit. Um, So, you know, in terms of that, obviously, we want to keep him clean as much as possible. Um, The other the other piece of that, though, is that Pitt. So they were 99th um 99th nationally and 20 plus yard plays allowed so i think that there is an element of yeah they're generating a lot of havoc but they're almost doing it at the expense. like they leave themselves open you know what i mean high risk um, high reward high risk high reward yeah so you know 99th and 20 plus yard passes they were actually 129th out of 130 and 10 plus yard passes allowed so they allowed 150 of those last year um so you know i think it's it's a situation where it's like if we are able to give Daniel's time, there are yards. There are yards to be had out there against them, or at least there were last year. Um, I don't see why this year would be too much different. And, and to that effect, I know I was kind of I kind of touched on this before we popped on. Their corners are kind of small, so um, you know MJ Devonshire who I think is is going to be one of the. He's I don't know if he'll start, or he'll definitely be a dude who's playing five eleven. Um, AJ Woods five eleven. Marquise Williams 59 um Eric Hallett who I think he's listed as a free safety but he played a lot of slot corner for them last year is only 511 um and you know West West Virginia's outside receivers Bryce Ford Wheaton 63 230 Caden Prather is 64 210 215 whatever whatever he ends up weighing now and so I wonder if you know if we can give if we can give JT a little bit of time to throw Um, I think there are yards there and, you know, if we can give them enough time to take shots, I think that our guys, you know, size wise, at least they they have an advantage on a, on a 50, 50 ball. So, you know, I think that's something that I would look, uh, if we're able to give them time, I I expect us to try and, you know, take advantage, maybe try and pick on those guys a little bit, um, with some back shoulder type stuff, with some jump ball type stuff. Um, because we've seen, we've seen both of those guys be successful in those situations. So.
3: Yeah, I think that's a really good point to highlight. And, and yeah, I think kind of coupling the Havoc negative plays they had last year um, with that stat you gave about the 10 and 20 yard passes really kind of illustrates that they were a high risk, high reward kind of defense. So yep. um, uh, I, I'm glad Jared Deggy is not our quarterback this year, just because I think we were very negative play oriented last year. Um, and hopefully, you know, a new spark on this offense. We're a little more vertical we can get the ball out you know maybe good things can happen um so yeah i think uh that pretty much sums it up for when west virginia has the ball so um anything else you want to add or you want to hop into some betting numbers
2: i think that's uh i think that's it actually so eric hallett the dude who i mentioned slot corner um he got some people last year but he got got a lot so curious if we can catch them, catch them in a blitz to see him matched up, maybe against like Sam James or something, you know, super fast guy in the slot. Um, that's another, um, maybe a matchup that I would look to try and isolate. That's my, that's my last, that's my last spiel.
3: Gotcha. <laughs> you want, you had any analysis on the uh, the home field advantage for Pittsburgh? <laughs>
2: you mean how we sold out their season tickets for them just because an entire season's worth of tickets was cheaper than getting one ticket to the backyard brawl?
3: what what do you predict the split will be you think 60 40 pit
2: yeah i think i, I mean they'll have Somewhere more like right like it would yeah, be yeah. honestly it would be fucking embarrassing for them if we had actually more fans but i you know like i've said the, the only person that i know who is not going to this game is my wife and that's cuz she's staying home with our two kids <laughs> so like, like literally i'm going with a group of 65 uh i know another group of 15 going um you know, you see, you see on the message boards on Twitter, everybody's like, yeah, I got 40 going, I got 30 going, you -hmm. know, this kind of thing. Um, I'm I'm expecting us, I'm expecting us to have at least 20,000 people there.
3: I think we'll hold our own uh, noise level too. I think of the people who will be there, like it will, you know, I I definitely do think Pay will have more fans, but um, there will be a neutral field aspect to it. Um, And, you know, all it takes is a little momentum and those fans are the ones that get loud and I saw it last year. I went to a Notre Dame-Cincinnati game in Notre Dame. Since he got an early lead, since he maybe had 30%, 40% of the fans, and they got really vocal, and it, it didn't feel like a, a home game for Notre Dame anymore. So um, I, I'm excited. I, I'm sure uh, you and me will both do our point.
2: I, yeah, I think uh, so. Underrated uh, talking point is that you know there's a lot of Pitt fans who are probably working. The whole day. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these guys are getting off at four or five o'clock. All the West Virginia fans who are going to the game have taken Thursday off. Yep. And in some cases <laughs> yep. they have taken Wednesday off and we'll be making a day of it. I just I mean, we're going to be at a 10 out of 10 by the time that these dudes get out of work and like make their way to the stadium. So just, you know. We're we're undefeated in the parking lot. I I you know I think Never that lost. I, don't, I really don't think we've ever lost the parking lot. I expect us to absolutely dominate the parking lot on Thursday, and yeah, we're going to be carrying that momentum into the stadium with us. So that's all I'll say about that. No, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Um,
3: so if you are throwing money down on this game, the line right now that I'm seeing on Fanduel is six and a half in favor of Pitt um money or the uh the total over under is 51.5 so that you know vegas thinks it's going to be about a 29 23 pit victory um does that spread feel right to you six and a half like what do you think yeah. about that
2: yeah sure um we we haven't done anything to earn earn it being any closer than that mm-hmm. um i think that you know what do they say you usually get like a field goal for home for home field. Yeah. Um. And then, so really, you look at that. They're you know, Vegas thinks they're three and a half points better than us, uh, which I don't think you can take any exception with, based on what they were last year, what we were last year, what they bring back. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, no, six and a half feels fine. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a it's a good number. Seven and a half, I think, would be a
3: little high. But giving West Virginia the, you know, the touchdown would get you, um the touchdown difference there, the six and a half. I, I think that's a good number. Um, Like I said, I don't know if the home field advantage w- is overstated in that or not, but um, yeah. And then, like I said, the over under 51.5. So that'd be a 29, 23 pick game. I mean, I think all things, you know, about West Virginia um, in the last couple years, haven't been high flying on offense, haven't scored a ton of points. So, um, you know, giving you a 23 point prediction or something probably feels right um given pit 29 i don't know i mean there's definitely some questions on the offensive end but um it's so hard to predict i mean it's kind of funny but you go through the whole offseason and i know off season is the time you get like the most engagement and like college football stuff everyone has all this hope and there's all these like i follow a lot of people who do analytics and and different kind of ranking models and the off season ranking and all this stuff i mean everyone's all over the place. It's really hard to predict games when it's new people and people haven't played in a while. So yeah, I mean,
2: I think first, first game of the season. Sure. I think it's fine. Now, what do you think? Uh, so I so, saw, I mean, money line plus two twenty five. Uh, I don't know what the implied probability thing says there. I know. So the over under, if I was going to bet on any of these, um, you know, you're looking at two teams who are definitely stronger offensively than they or Sorry. Definitely stronger defensively than they are offensively at least on paper is that something where you know maybe you'd look at the under as a you know tasty yeah you have a new offensive coordinator on both sides you know has the team
3: learned the system yet there's probably gonna be some really sloppy first season first quarter of the season drives um you know i think that's just pretty normal so i would lean under especially in a season opener like i said i think there's just inherent sloppiness um, that could go both ways though. I mean, you have like a young secondary for West Virginia or, you know, new faces. Like if, if it could go both ways, but I would, I would lean towards the underside of that. And that's, that's going to be fun. I, I love a good, uh, little scoring slug As
2: long as we're, as long as we're on the right side of it.
3: Yeah, that is
2: true. All right. Anything else you want to add, Jordan? I'm just, I'm, I'm super fucking excited, man. Can't wait to get there. Do you want to make a prediction on the game? I think, uh, so I think it's going to go under, but I think we're going to win, you know, something like 24, 21, 27, 21. Um, I think we are going to learn some lessons. Uh, so, you know, Pitt's going to come out and try and Oklahoma state us, right? Like that's, if I was Pitt, that's exactly what I would try to do. Try and do is, is, is what Oklahoma state did you know, over, overwhelm the offensive line, get guys in the backfield. Um, And so this is going to be a really good litmus test. Like, have we, have we learned, is our offensive line better equipped to handle that kind of stuff? If they're not, what can we do from a play calling perspective to put our guys in positions to be successful where, you know, how do we get the ball out quick? Like, you know, things like that. Um, I think that we, I think we've kind of talked about it a lot. I'm a big Graham Harrell guy, buying everything he's selling. I have faith in him that he's going to be able to move the ball against these guys because, um, you know, like, like I said, if you if you can get the ball out, they're susceptible to the pass. I think we're going to be able to move the ball enough and put up enough points. And then um, on the other side, you know, I kind of touched on, I, I think they're um, a full step back offensively, probably closer to what they were from 2018 to 2020 than than what they were last year. And I expect our defense to be good. So yeah, something like 27, 21 with the good guys coming out on top. feels, uh feels right to me. What do you, uh, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I would
3: almost echo what you said. Exactly. I, I feel like, yeah, maybe mid twenties um, and field goal game. Um, obviously going to lean to the good guys, but it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. We can talk all these metrics and stats, but it's the first game of the season. Um, And there's a lot of a lot of excitement in both the fans. I think the coaches get it. Like, I think there's a, there's, there's a different energy to this game. So I think, um, you know, even if Pitt is slightly the better team, I think, you know, you can kind of just wipe a lot of this away and I think it's going to be an exciting game. And yeah, like you said, I think you, it's a must compete, um, but it's definitely a game you can't win. So uh, yeah, I'm going to go Yeah, maybe like 27, 24, 24, 21, something like that. Yep. Good guys in golden blue.
2: Absolutely. Awesome.
3: Okay, well, I think that wraps it up. So um, you can get at us on Twitter. We got a Twitter account for the pod. It's called at West by pod with underscores in between. Uh, you can get at us on SmokeyMusket.com. Uh, we'll have an article up for this podcast. Um, like I said I'm at WV Stats guy he's at Game Day Shorts and yeah hope to see you guys there on Thursday um football is back
4: shit one two